Just press say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Well, welcome to the Circle of Dads. I'm Ryan. I'm your host. And today we're at Black Label Studios, all right? Yep. With Robbie Kelly. And uh, thanks so much for having me over, man, to your great little shop. I love this place. You've got, uh, you do some knife making, some resin work, and then woodwork, right? Yep. That's that's kind of it in a nutshell. So the knife work, I'm still learning to be a knife maker, but there's a process. So you put out things that uh, that you practice on, and that's where I'm at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the um, What's the thing that that attracts you most to the the knife making? Honestly, I'm a wood guy and not a metal guy. Sure. So learning something new, that challenge, but really and truthfully, if you follow knife making and follow you know knife makers, they're artists, and some of the things that they put out are truly incredible. You know from you know, fixed blades to folding knives to kitchen cutlery, you know, they all have their own uh, specific type of blades that they do. And my focus down the road will be kitchen cutlery because I love to cook. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if, I would imagine folding knives are pretty tricky. They are. And I have, I have I don't know enough about it, but I know the guys that make them make some beautiful things that are heirloom pieces that are several thousands of dollars a piece. So, but it's uh, you know it's, it's true craftsmanship at its finest. You know, I was a uh, <clears throat> I was introduced to nice knives um, when I was probably fifteen. My buddy, who's like my brother Joey, um, always had Benchmade and Spiderco, and and um, um, he, he, you know, it was like, well, what's the difference between that and a Gerber? And then he would show me, and so ever since then, you know, it's that's all I carry is. I mean, you want quality. Sure. Because if you buy crap, it's going to break on you when you really don't need it to. Exactly. It's not going to last as long. And, and, and honestly, the fit and finish isn't going to be as nice. And, you know, you know, those are great companies. The, guy, the knife makers I follow are individuals. And, you know, they're making one and two knives, you know, at a time period. And, sure. You know, but they're, they're, you know, I would tell you something that you would put in a gallery and probably not carry. But that's the upper end. There's, you know, those guys that do make knives that are daily carries and, you know, uh, but, you know, I'll get there eventually. But right now it's, uh, I'm enjoying the new shop, the new space. It's, uh, it's not big by any means, but it's con- considerably bigger than what I started with. It's got good lighting, man. It's got, I mean, seems to be big enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I got it jam-packed in here. You know, you put all this, these big pieces of machines in here and, and as I've gotten older, you know, lighting is key. So I got to see. Yeah, that's uh, that we were talking about that earlier. The older you get, the the less uh, the less your eyes are able to work right, and 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 uh, your shit starts going away. <laughs> yeah, I, I said your range of motion starts going away. Just uh, you know, getting out of a chair nowadays sometimes is tough. But you know, it's uh, what we push through each day, and you know, be thankful for what we have. And that's where I'm at. I didn't realize how much noise I made. You know, just moving around, <clears throat> getting up. <clears throat> yeah. And my wife, and I'm deaf in one ear, so I don't hear real well, anyways. And which is probably why I'm such a shitty bow hunter because I don't realize how much noise I'm making. You know, and um, I'm say shitty, unsuccess, yet to be successful. But 
she kind of laughs at me because I'll just I, like I, I'll say the dog makes a lot of noise. I'm like, that sure is a noisy animal. She's like, well, you're one to talk. <laughs> you're a noisy animal yourself, right? Yeah, just moving around, and it just—it's not a quiet. I'm by no means a ninja. Yeah, well, I—I'm uh, getting there. Those those these knees—they—I feel like they—if uh, I sit still too long, and they're going to take some time to get stretched back out. So, yeah, those long rides in the truck for work. There's oh. there's no more hopping out. No. Now, if it, if there's a, a needs to be a fast exit, I'm going to be in trouble. I may perish. You better. We got one in us. You better make sure it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it, man. That whole supple leopard thing. It's good in theory, and but I don't know. Man, that's a great book. That supple leopard book. Man, we lived by that thing for a long time when we owned the gym. So, um, you know, he's uh, he's a really knowledgeable guy for oh, sure. It's amazing. Why, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, Kelly Kelly uh, Starrett. Yeah, yeah, almost said Slater. Starrett. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's an awesome book. So, f- for you guys and gals out there listening, check out Supple Leopard if you're into fitness and need a way to uh, work out the kinks and need some know-how. And not even fitness. I mean, if you're just if you sit a lot. You know, if you've got that lower, yeah, you're right. you know, if you've got a lower back issue and you think you just have a quote unquote bad back or you got a shoulder issue or whatever, it might just be that your wallet's too big and you sit down too much, you know, <laughs> and everything's tight and crooked. And this, this book really shows you how to kind of unfuck yourself. Yeah, to, <laughs> that's exactly how, you, that's how I would describe it as well. So, you know, or you can, you know, drop the coins and go see Brian Mulhall and have him kick your ass real quick. And yep. that's what'll happen. That guy, uh, that guy, for being the size that he is, he can put the hurting on you real fast. Yeah, he's good at that. He's a. Uh, he, I think he enjoys it a little too much when he hurts me. Yeah, he he. I think he enjoys being an asshole down inside, and he just he won't come out and say it. But you could just see the the, <laughs> the pleasure on his face if he as he's got you contorted with some sort of muscle jab going on. He's a. Uh, I love that dude. Yeah. I, I mean, you you spend a little time getting to know him and then on his table and it's just it's just i mean we have some interesting conversations in there oh yeah well um you know he and Lori and the boys the whole family are fantastic mm-hmm. and and you know Lori worked out with us for a while and and we used to go see brian whenever uh we were you know doing crossfit on the daily and things needed to be you know put back in place and adjusted and and you're right that guy uh has some great stories to tell my favorite podcast that you've done so far with it with anyone has been been brian i just i mean guess i because I, I know him more than the rest but uh he's just such a funny guy in a in a, in a different way it just he's he's an awesome person he, he's got this dry sneaky humor yes you know with a little bit of self de- the self-deprecating humor too you know mm-hmm. i mean he's he's a trip i love him yeah, yeah he's a good dude um so that's how we met was CrossFit. Right. And uh, you guys owned a CrossFit gym for how long? Uh, seven years. And I, could, I remember the first time you came out, um, uh, it, we were doing running. And I'm like, who's this guy coming in with these five-finger-toed shoes on? Was I wearing five-finger-toed yeah, toes? Yeah, you, oh, were. you, were you were in your Vibram stage there, you know, ready <laughs> to kick some granola or whatever you were doing. But you, were, you came in and you just killed that wad that day i'm like man who's this guy and yeah you did a good job oh thanks i was probably yeah. crippled for three days <laughs> <Yeah>. too <laughs> my feet hurt thinking about you wearing those shoes now oh my god i've got a buddy that wears them kevin that that owns the fort worth float company the sure. sensory deprivation tank mm-hmm. and he wears them everywhere like everywhere mm-hmm. all the time always wearing them and then he wears them with socks too oh and god it, you know because they make the five finger socks and but that's his thing man i mean but 
he's one of those guys that you look at and you're like, he doesn't look lethal at all. But he's he's an incredibly skilled martial artist. Oh wow, nice! Yeah, he's amazing at judo. Well, he's he's probably got really strong feet, and he's used to being on his feet if he's into martial arts like that. So, at this point in my life, if I were to wear five fingers, my my feet would wouldn't work again. I have to wear cushioned shoes for a reason, and and going to something like that, even minimalist shoes. You know, remember whenever that was kind of the thing, everybody was wearing the you know the zero drop shoes, and I think they still do. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of the Reebok products and Nike. You know, they, they come out and, you know, t- but I can't wear that stuff anymore. You know, you got to go with what works for you. Like that was one thing that I noticed in, in, um, in CrossFit that you would go in and it was like, well, I got to wear nanos or I got to wear these minimum shoes or I got to do this. And you've been wearing Nike shocks for the past 15, 20 years, which Nike, what is it? Nike doesn't necessarily make running shoes. They make shoes so people can run. Mm-hmm. So they, they just build this cushion around your foot so that you can just go from zero to running and and be somewhat successful at which is actually it's not a bad thing because it's getting people out there and running mm-hmm. but then on the flip side the whole theory about starting kids with minimus and not giving them heels because of the shortening the heel cords and it causes issues i can see that too yeah oh yeah i try to wear as low of a drop, heel, a, a drop as i can you know mm-hmm. and and um i used to wear cowboy boots all the time and they would have the high heel on them you know, and I'm five ten barely, so I'm yep. trying to stretch every every quarter inch I <laughs> sure. can out. You know, and mm-hmm. so that was a big thing. Like, damn, I guess I've really got to just be five ten now. Yeah, well, I uh, I, I have to agree because because my my shoes I'm six almost six three. So right um, having you know anything gives me too much height, it, I feel awkward because I'm already taller than most people. Sure, and so um, you know I try and. Uh, I, I go for comfort at this point in my life, you know, more so than uh, practicality, I think. Yeah, and that, that was what, my, what I was going to say is that, like, these people just switch to these minimus and then they're miserable. Yeah. Because everything hurts. It's like, but this is how I'm supposed to it's be. It's a migration for sure. Yeah, you're not supposed to be miserable. Find a, find a middle ground. As far as my work boots, I mean, I go with the cushion, most cushion ones I can. Yeah, because you're on your feet all day and, and out in that heat and, and the line of work you're in, you definitely need that. Man, and, and with, like, I found a pair of work boots. They're called Thoroughgood boots, and do they are amazing. So I always wore Red Wing and, 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 um, and typically Red Wing, but they became so trendy and so expensive, mm-hmm. and then the quality shot way down. Sure. Well, Thoroughgood's American-made, and and a fraction of the price and i'm on my eighth ninth pair nice i mean they're awesome well i'm a timberland guy are I, you uh, yeah they fit my feet perfect and matter of fact i just bought two pair on uh yeah um yesterday do you buy the same pair you know my wife wanted me to but i, I mixed it up a little bit on this time so um because i wear them every day i wear them for work i wear them out the shop i wear the same pair of shoes constantly so they're nice looking shoes yeah. i was looking at them earlier well, I fly a lot for work, and yeah. so every time I'm in an airport, I'm finding myself in a in a shoe shine chair, and I get them to condition them, and you know it really you know, prolongs life. When you're spending over two hundred dollars for a pair of boots, you uh, you seem to want to take care of it. See, that's a lost art, taking care of your shit. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's like everything's so disposable, and there's always the newer version for this discounted price, and we can make you we can make it to where you can afford it so don't even worry about that old stuff you know but like good boots good knives quality things i mean we were talking about that earlier like um with with the stuff that you're building you know finding that price value for what it's worth right or that price point for what it's worth to you to make it value you know to where to where everybody wins 
But building something that lasts, I mean, it, it, that's a lost art. And then our, mo- people younger than us, they don't know what it's like to shine shoes and sharpen knives. And, and, and I think as, as men, that's kind of something that's kind of dwindling away. Right. I agree. And you know, it's, you know, I have two kids too, two stepchildren that I love dearly. And, you know, as a, as a dad, we, we try and instill in them certain things. And one of the things I always tell them or and try to, you know, get across to them is that whatever you do, you're going to do it with a purpose. So mm-hmm. I don't care if you're making a ham and cheese sandwich, you, you, you do it with purpose. Like they'll come out here and they'll see me in the shop and they'll, and I'm hoping that they see me working hard trying to build something of quality. And so to your point is, you know, you, you talk about this lost art. I, I, I do agree. I think the art is there, but I just don't think kids nowadays have the the capacity to want to expand from what they're they're currently doing, whether it's social media or Fortnite or or what, you know, because you know, just like every other family, I try and get our kids outside and, and you know, we we live out on some land and, you know, there's you know, there's not a whole lot to do right here at the house, but, you know, get out and go see things. Just get on the, the side-by-side and go for a drive in the pasture and take a look what's going on around you today. And, and uh, you know, it's it's fun to see them, you know, their eyes getting opened to new things and uh, trying to get them out here to build things. They really don't have a lot of interest in doing it, so I don't force anything on them. Like, if they don't have interest, I'm not going to say, come out here and let me teach you how to turn a pin or come out here and let me show you how to put a bevel on a blade or, or finish a handle. You know, if, if they have interest in making or doing something, obviously I, I, I get them involved and we take care of it. But I, they always see me take care of everything that I own from my lawnmower to my pressure washer to you name it. I take care of everything because it does cost money. And I, and I watch both of my grandfathers take care of all their stuff and it lasted forever. And so if we take care of the things that we have, if you buy quality stuff and you take care of it, it's going to last you a long time. And you're not going to have that frustration of son of a bitch. It's broken again. You know, how many times have you gone to start a weed eater and your blood pressure almost puts you in a coronary? Because it, you didn't it, take care of it. It slips and it snaps the end of your fingers and you're like, oh. son of a bitch. And about the time the wife's coming out, to, not now, God dang it. <laughs> so that happened to me. I had a, a, I bought a, a big chainsaw and we were sawing up a log over at my in-laws. And so whenever whenever I get frustrated, I have this, this natural instinct and art to want to make an ass of myself. And so I took the, the chainsaw. I couldn't get it started and just in a pure rage i took it and i just threw it across the yard in front of my mother-in-law my father-in-law my wife the kids everybody but it's just what happened so you know they got a good laugh out of it but you know it's it's one of those things if if you don't take care of stuff you're going to have more of those moments so i uh, i try and take care of everything that i buy or own so i didn't um I didn't always have that that mentality of taking care of my stuff, you know, because nobody a, does. A lot of the stuff I do now, and a lot, and and something I've learned about myself is a lot of the things that I kind of almost harp on or get, um, I hate to say it, but self righteous about or you know up on a soapbox. It's probably because that's some shit that I used to do, you know, like not taking care of your stuff, stuff, not respecting your 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 wife, you know, mm-hmm. not 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 just acting like an ass. And so now in this season of my life, I find myself almost getting a little sanctimonious about that. And, you know, and so I have to check that and, and, and kind of, um, 
remember that we're all doing the best we can do. But to the point of, of I didn't used to do that stuff. And so now I try to, but I also struggle a lot with moving too damn fast. Oh yeah. We all, you have to, if you're self-employed like you, you're, you have to be moving fast, right? Yeah. So if, if, if you sit still or sit idle, you're going to get past. And one thing that, that like, um, I envy almost, or is when people are just all, everything is like tool trailers, for example, like our tool trailer and our, our, when I was working for somebody else, my mm-hmm. welding truck and tool trailer was, was perfect. I could find any tool blindfolded, no problem. <laughs> they were always organized, filled up. I had extras and I knew exactly what was going on. I never ran out of anything. Self-employed, it's not like that. It's like throwing the shit in there as fast as you can go to go to the job. And then you get there and you're like, oh, God, we forgot half the stuff. Yeah, you know? sure. We bought the wrong stuff. Or how are we out of gas? You know, and, it, and it's just that constant trying to chase your tail so I look at guys that have everything squared away and organized and, and they do their uh, preventative maintenance and their seasonal stuff and on their equipment and their tools and, and take the time to shine their shoes and take the time to sharpen their blades. And, and, and I, I just like, I really want that. <laughs> you know, I see, I hear of like, um, my brother-in-law will say, well, yeah, I sharpened my chainsaw blades and I'm just like, how, like, how'd you do that? Right. How'd you take the time to do that? And so... I don't know, I guess it's always getting better. Sure, yeah. I, I like how you said, I have two stepkids and as a dad, instead of I'm their stepdad. Yeah, no, I'm their dad too. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about your kids. Oh, man. Um, let's start with the daughter. So she's 16. Uh, her name is Caitlin. And um, she's 16, like any other 16-year-old girl going on 25, you know. She's, uh, she's a blessing, without question. Um, she's, she's one of those girls that she, she's challenging as a dad, but I can go to sleep at night knowing that she's making the right decision. She is, uh, she lives her, she lives for Christ and she's very active in her church and her youth group. And, you know, out mine and her relationship really couldn't be better. I mean, coming into the picture whenever, um, she was, uh, um, she was, Right at seven years old, and she's 16 now. So, um, you know, there was that challenge a little bit, you know, understanding each other's boundaries. As in a stepdad, you have boundaries, and and you you earn more as you go, right? You earn the right to to be able to parent in a way that you would want to parent, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's she's a, a wonderful kid. She she's she's really funny, and. Uh, I, just, I love her, and she's uh, she's she's definitely going to make somebody really happy one day because, you know, we live pretty simple here at the house, and uh, I feel like I'm raising kids that aren't going to be high maintenance, and that's you know that's important for me because we do we we live pretty simple here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not saying we go without. I mean, we we're we're, we're comfortable, and uh, you know they uh, they 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 understand there's a, a line when it comes to wants and needs. And I, uh, I always ask them, is it all, do you want that or do you need that? You know, so, and, and under, you know, as we grow, they grow older trying to teach them that. So, and then our brother Ryan, he's probably the polar opposite. He's, uh, he's an amazing kid. He's an unbelievable um, athlete. He's, he was in gymnastics for a long time and recently has uh, taken a hiatus from it. He's, he's left gymnastics just due to, you know, personal decision as a gymnast, you're, sure. you're in that for, you know, for 
a long time every single day and just got to a point where I think it started to, to wear on him and he wanted to see what else was out there. So he's, uh, he's 12 and um, he's, he lives with us full time basically. I mean, uh, his dad's very active in his life. His, his dad and I have a, a, a great relationship. And uh, as far as, you know, co-parenting goes, you know, I mean, I, I make sure Ryan understands that, you know, we have rules, but his dad has rules too. And, and you know, whatever his rules are at his house, you're going to imply at our house as well. So there's a, none of that, you know, you should listen to me and not listen to your dad because, you know, that's that's not right. That's, that's confusing and, and sends mixed messages. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate that uh, we do have the relationship that we do and the kids, Kelly and I, and we, uh, we have a, a, a great dynamic as a family. And, and what's really nice is as they've gotten older, it's starting to become more and more fun. I mean, because we, we, we can sit down and we can have meaningful conversations. You know, when they're eight years old, meaningful conversations at eight is completely different than meaning, meaningful conversations at 16, right? And so you, you start to have these adult conversations and they, you know, my, my daughter will come and tell me just about everything. I mean, from feminine stuff to girlfriend stuff to drama to whatever in which i feel fortunate that she's that comfortable that she'll come talk to me because that's what i want right that's phenomenal because you you're raising a daughter and you understand what peer pressure is and it's tough and she's she only has one social media platform and that's by our decision her mom and i and I read her her um, her social media daily. Just it's not that I don't trust her. It's the other people out there that we have to you know protect our kids from. And so I know she's going to make good decisions. I mean, she's going to make some teenage decisions. She's going to get in trouble, but I know she's going to do things that aren't going to be embarrassing to her, our family, or you know just get herself in any kind of you know legal trouble or you know just trouble in general as a teenager because. I'll be honest, when I was growing up, I wasn't a very good kid. I, I made some mistakes. I didn't ever really do anything too terribly bad, but I was a challenge for my stepfather. I can promise you that without, not without saying he, uh, he was a patient man. And, yeah. uh, you know, my mom passed away several years ago, but, uh, I was always thankful that I had, you know, my stepdad in my life because my dad, and my relationship is kind of, uh, um, distant, but he's still around, but it just through some, d- Poor choices that he made as I was growing up um, separated us. But, you know, part of uh, being a, a Christian or a human is forgiving, right? So, you know, I've, I've forgiven him for what he, what what's happened in the past. And, you know, he's still alive. But uh, my relationship with my stepdad at the time was much closer than what it was with my dad. And I still talk to my stepdad from time to time. And he still lives back home in Santa Fe and, and um, Texas, that is, not New Mexico. I always... People always say Santa Fe, New Mexico. No, I was about to say I didn't realize you're from New Mexico. No, Santa Fe. That's where I went to high school. Well, that's the town I went to high school. You know, you were talking about forgiveness, man, and that's something I really struggle with. You know, because I've always been the uh, the kind of an angry guy. You know, I've been told I have a chip on my shoulder my whole life, (laughs) and uh, that I'm a little high strung. Um, and so. And that's right, but that's a lot about my upbringing and, and things that happen, and and you know, my dad wasn't around, and and I'm and like I don't use that as a crutch or a reason to be a victim. It's just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like if if your if your finger's broken, it's like well, it's because you slammed it a door. Yeah, you make your choices. Yeah, whether so, your dad's there or not. Yeah. You know, I mean, having a 
a father figure in your life or a mother figure in your life, you know, it's, it's important without question, but you know, not everybody's dealt that card. So you have to, you know, rise up and, and, you know, make the best of what you have because not doing that isn't going to probably end well for you. Well, you know, and, and that was one of the greatest, and I, I agree completely because that was one of the, one of the proudest moments that I can, I can like the, that I was just proud of myself for something I did where you do some, looking in and you're like hell yeah man is when i finally realized i had become the man that i always needed my father to be nice then it was just like a lot of that a lot of that uh went away that does not mean that i've completely forgiven him yeah oh yeah sure no no because i don't speak to him and i haven't seen him in years i say i haven't seen him i haven't had any interaction with him i was within closer than you and i are right now last night to him oh wow because he works at a at a tool store okay. that we talked about. Sure. And uh, I try to avoid the one he works at. Mm-hmm. I walked around a corner, and there he, was. there he was. And that happened a couple of weeks ago, too. And this was a different one. I thought, son of a bitch. And so I mm-hmm. just went the other way. Right. But it's such an odd – it's just such an odd feeling or sensation to have your dad, like, right there. Mm. You know? And not talk to him. Not, I mean, a couple of days after Thanksgiving, and sure, you know, and just it, it was, it was weird. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely going to be a strange um, feeling, without question. And my, you know, my dad, he's he's not in good health, and he's uh, he's 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 paying for his his choices. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's it's sad to see where he's at, and my heart's you know goes out to him, and I wish I could help him, but you know, the the things that that he's going through is you know it's dialysis, it's you know, from, you know, poor choices, you know, have got him to where he's at and, and other stuff. So I, uh, you know, I, I pray for him every day and I hope that he, you know, is able to find peace and comfort. And, you know, we've had long talks about, you know, our past and, and, uh, you know, I know that he knows I love him and I know that he knows that I've forgiven him. And, um, so that allows me to, to rest easy when it comes to, thoughts like that. I try not to hold a grudge against anybody. I mean, I've gone through some, just like everybody, we all have a story, right? We all have different tragedies and things that happen to us. And I try not to hold anybody like, I don't, I don't have to let go of that stuff because that negative energy in my life, I I don't like it. And I like to, I'm, I'm my nickname in high school when I graduated high school was happy. Everybody called me happy. It was on my senior ring. Everybody from back in Santa Fe, if you're listening, it's happy. And, and they'll, they'll, that's what they still call me. And, and that's because I've always been an easygoing guy. And, uh, you know, if I have too many of those, if I can't let go of the, the shit that's happened in the past, I can't be happy for the future. So I try to be as optimistic as I can. And I have my bad days. I mean, I'm a sales director. I've got people that report to me. I work for a manufacturer. We make mistakes from time to time. And, you know, people, are, like you just said a minute ago, people are inherently angry about things. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, we have to be problem solvers and we have to, you know, understand people have bad days. It's like, how many times have you gone to a, a restaurant and you get a, a shitty waitress or a waiter and, and you're like, God, their lives are miserable. They hate their job. And, and, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day. And, and instead of, you know, let me th- add to it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I try and be as optimistic, but I tell you what, if you, if you, if you rub me wrong or if you do something wrong, I can be an asshole instantly. So it's like I got this button that, that sometimes it go, I have to push it 
to, you know, because I don't like to be pushed around either. See, that's that's where I have the biggest problem. And my wife and I talk about this a lot because just like I was saying earlier, she just goes around sprinkling fucking happiness everywhere. <laughs> that's Marty, though. I mean, she just everybody loves her. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and and she's brilliant and beautiful and just gets along with everyone and, and just has this wonderful class and grace and self-esteem. All things that I lack, you know, and, and so that's something that's just been gnawing on me and it's funny that we're talking about is forgiveness Mm -hmm. and my big problem is that i hold myself to such a high standard and and um and that is because i never did because i had no the way i grew up and the situation that i grew up in you know the things that i grew up with um there was no end game past 25 like i i i and people say that and it's kind of like yeah i get it but like seriously i had no plans after my 20s like I didn't even look into the future um it was just get through today get high get drunk whatever sure and then that's that's it um so now I try to hold myself to a standard and my which is fine which is great we all want to keep the standard hold the standard set goals and continue to grow that's just how we become better human beings I I think in my opinion the problem is with me when I do that I hold everybody else to that standard and that puts everybody, um, that, that it's unreasonable, you know, because it it just sets everyone up to fail. And then what happens is it sets me up to have resentments and negative, um, emotions towards all these people that have failed and they didn't even know they were, you know, they they didn't even get the memo, you know? And so I have to kind of like check that shit. And, and, and it's, it's, it, it'll catch momentum, you know, and, it, and it's hard to slow it down. Oh yeah. And then you're, then you're walking around angry and, and just like everybody's an asshole. Yeah. You're put out by everything. I mean, the girl gives you two scoops of t- ice cream and you only wanted one and you're so, angry at her. You can't be pissed off at her. Yeah. She gave you two scoops. dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's your lucky day. Yeah. You got to find happiness right there. But I'll see other people that are like that. And I'm like, damn, that guy's an angry dick. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's like. My buddy, like Joey, who's my brother, you know, I mean, I've known that guy for, he moved in with us when, when I was 15 and, you know, I mean, so that's, that's one of the longest relationships I've ever had. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll say something and I'll just kind of get that, he'll give me that sideways look like, that's interesting, you know, because we see it in others. So, um, has it, has your relationship with your, with your kids always been the way it is now? And what attracted me to call, you know, to, to reach out to you about this and have you on is, is I see you as such an active father mm-hmm. and I see your kids. I mean, cause we've known each other eight, nine years. Yeah. And, um, and so you see people's kids grow up on social media and, and it's filtered, you know, I mean, sure. We don't, most of us don't put everything out on social yeah. media, especially for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, you know, kind of seen their little ups and downs, but I've seen them succeed and do well. And and it's so important for uh, male role models in kids' lives and for them to have dads, and they're fortunate enough to have two. Right. Um, so first, how was that co-parenting? How was the relationship with the dad at first? Like, was that a pretty smooth uh, transition, or did y'all have to kind of work through some stuff? No, we've never really worked through any issues. I mean, I think uh, – you know, when when I met Kel and um, we started, you know, dating and hanging out, and I got introduced to their their dad, and um, he uh, 
he and I, I think, knew our, our, our boundaries early on, and there was no resentment between Kelly and her ex. You know, okay. some, some people, you know, hate their ex sure. for whatever reason. I mean, I mean obviously, I, I mean, there's obviously reasons why someone would not want to be friends with their ex, but, you know, she, she and her ex, you know, they had a, you know, a, a good working parenting relationship. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't coming in to change any of that dynamic, right? And so there was no threatening, like I wasn't, I didn't come over across as threatening to him. I would that 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 was that was the mentality I had in my mind. I didn't want him to feel like I was coming in and going to be this dad that was going to change things and 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 you know try and um put thoughts in their kids' heads and you know and just really take things in a in a negative way. I. I um, I came in, you know, as a kind of like the guy in the back seat, and then as time moved along, I understood where my place was, and then the kids obviously learned who I was, and and you know we dated for you know a year, over a year before I ever you know basically moved in. I mean, neither one we're we're not young, you know, we weren't too young, I should say. So there didn't need to be this two and three year long, you know courtship if you will i mean it was uh you know when i moved in you know the kids and i we've we've had such a good relationship that i i, I try to to get down on their level and because because i can be really silly when i need to be or I, I i would probably tell you that i'm silly all the time with them but that's just how i parent like i, I try and make them feel relaxed with me because i want them to always come to me like we talked about a second ago and you know with, with their dad chip is his name and uh he and i you know we we've we we text one another when we have the kids i mean we don't have small talk and you know and we don't sure. do things outside of the, the kids but you know at least i i can text him if i need him to to pick up the kids or if i i'm, I'm picking them up you know we have we can have that conversation he comes over during some of the holidays and you know, and, and I think the kids see that. And what's what was really neat is that her son the other day said, you know, mom's talking about her mom, his mom. Mom and dad have a great relationship because neither one of them try and outdo one another. And, you know, whenever and this is a 12 year old boy saying this out of the blue, you know, and 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 and, and I thought to myself, man, you know, that's a unique statement because how many parents are separated that try and outdo one another? I mean, hell, like you said, they put it on Facebook how their ex is doing this and how stupid they are. We all know those guys and gals. You know, that's that that does nothing but just really harm your relationship with your own kids because eventually it gets back to them. But for him to say that, you know, that, that neither one tried to do out, outdo each other and, and you know, it's that's uh, – I think we're doing it right. And uh, I, I hope we're doing it right because – you know, at some point, you know, he may be in a situation where he's a stepdad. And I hope that he is learning from me the way that I'm doing it, that it, it, it continues to go forward for him. But hopefully he never gets in that situation. But if he does, he does. It's not like it's a bad place to be. You know, I never had kids of my own. And so, you know, coming into a relationship with two, a boy and a girl, you know, that was that that was changed because, you know, that was that was you know, I was single and partying and having a lot of fun and, and getting, you know, in adult trouble whenever I could. So um, moving into a relationship with two, you know, young children, you know, that took some commitment and, uh, and I was ready for it. So it, it worked out for me.
So you just, just for whatever reason, just never had kids, never met the right person or? Uh, you know, I was married once okay. and, uh, you know, she and I were friends and her family and I are really, we're really good friends. Um, it just didn't work out, you know, sure. and, um, she, uh, she and I, it didn't work out for us to have kids. And, um, then I was in another relationship that ended pretty shitty and no kids there either. So, and I'm you know, some people have to be, find peace with that because yeah. there's something about being a dad that. You, you don't have a child of your own, you know, of your own flesh and blood and, and carrying on possibly your last name and that, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, I don't want to say I ever struggled with that because I think I've made peace with it pretty early on that, you know, if I don't have children, I'm going to be okay. You know, it's, you know, I'll, I'll raise someone else's kids as though they were my own because, you know, that's, that's what I should do. You know, if, if that position, that situation arised and it, it has, so. Well, and you know that's that 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 whole we have to extend our bloodline and our last name and all that stuff. I yeah. mean, mine mine ends with Abby, right? That's and, it. And there's a and, and I think if you 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 look around at some of your friends, there's there's others that are in that same situation. You know, and you know back in the day, you know when people were having lots of kids because that's they had to help work the land or you know just big these big families. You know, there was more opportunity for them to you know, have that son to help carry on the namesake with. But, you know, times have changed. We don't, you know, you see smaller family units. I mean, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you don't see people with four and five kids all the time. But I do know those folks, and, I mean, they're big, happy families, too. My in-laws are all, there's three kids, three kids, and then five kids. Yeah, so. It's a lot. Yeah, Christmas at your house is damn crazy it ain't in my house man <laughs> it's, at my, it's at my mother-in-law it wouldn't house. be in my house either i would be a nervous wrecker enough xanax in my house to, to all, keep them out they're all tall and loud and it's it's it, yeah so that's another great thing though is i've got the best in-laws in the world my mother and father-in-law they live across the pasture from us you really couldn't ask for better in-laws i mean they've been They've been here for us whenever we needed them. They helped us get our business started. They support us with the kids. My my daughter rides horses, as you know, and her grandfather and her have this amazing relationship. He takes he takes care of her with the horse her horses and 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 has really instilled in her the you know the whole ranch lifestyle. She she loves country and western everything you know from Cody Johnson to to I guess. Turquoise and fringe is what I'm starting to see more and more of, but that's as she gets older. So. The dazzled flip flops and everything. <laughs> oh, oh Lord, she she better never wear those. She, How much were those flip flops? <laughs> yeah, she will she'll get roasted for a while if she does. And see that kind of stuff, like like carrying on, like like our legacy is how we treat our kids, and that's something that I struggle with because I'm a high strung guy and I I work so hard to not be an asshole, like because yes. I'm always on. I finally gave up caffeine. At the first of this month, and that was something. I mean, I was not. I couldn't do that. You know, uh, I've I've quit enough. Nasty, yeah. I've quit enough nasty yeah. shit in my life that, yeah. that caffeine's but, just the icing on the cake. But even that one, I was hanging on to it, and so that one, I can feel myself slowly being less uh, high strong. That's good. But there's but there are stuff that like you know the whole deal like forgiveness and and holding grudges and resentments and that stuff that I have to watch out because it kind of just clouds all the water. And and however you want to say it, it blocks me off from the sunlight of the spirit. You know, whatever that is to you, right? You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it just and it just keeps it keeps me out of the sunlight. Um, I don't want that 
to be with my daughter. Mm -hmm. That high standard that I hold myself at, I unfortunately have held my daughter at that. And I've tried real hard to pull back from that. Right. And what it was is just like constantly trying to get her into something, anything. She's a 12 year old girl, doesn't want to be into anything. I'm right there with it. And I'm just like banging my head against the wall. I'm like, but if you would have started jujitsu when you were six, you know, you'd be a world champion by now. Or like, (laughs) if you would have still, if you're still playing the guitar, Mm -hmm. you know, just stuff like that. And and I'll tell her stuff like, do make decisions now that are, that's going to make, you know, Abby in high school like really proud. You know, like, thanks so much for starting that when you were 10. Or right. 12. Mm-hmm. But even that's not pressure I need to put on her. So I like what you said about how you don't make them come out here and work with you. Mm-hmm. you just, it's it's attraction, not promotion. Right. You know, so if I'm trying to get her to do all these things, and they're the things I do, and I'm an asshole, she's going to be like, yeah, I don't want to do those things. Especially not with him. And, and you and I both know that sometimes that it isn't worth that argument or that fight that it's going to ensue with your kid trying to get them to do something and if they do it they're going to do it half-ass and and then that's when my cool really goes off the deep end is whenever i ask them to do something and and they don't want to do it but they do it because they know i'm going to get mad and then they end up doing it and just doing it halfway you know then they have to find myself taking a deep breath okay they're kids and i've got i've got to go back and show them why i'm frustrated and, and hope that they learn from it. And as a parent, we always have those conversations over and over with our kids about the same topics, whether it be homework or getting out of bed in the mornings, whatever the case Brushing may be. Brushing your teeth. Yeah, exactly. So you go back and you and you try and keep your cool. And, and from time to time, you kind of you know pop off a little bit so that they'll know who's in charge. But you hope that at some point they're going to come back and they're going to really surprise you because of the the amount of effort or the the, the job that they did on something. And, and it's happened. I, I love seeing it whenever the kids have these aha moments and they do things and that they're proud of. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly that feeling that you have. That's why I ask you to do everything 110%. Like I said, if it's even if it's a ham and cheese sandwich, make it like it's your last one. You know, yeah. Don't make it like it's... You know, something that you should be taking advantage of because, you know, it's it takes effort to to put something out that someone's going to be proud of. You know, and I'll I'll t- like uh, with Abby, I'm like if you fail, that's that's no big deal. Like I want you to fail. Mm-hmm. Like I want her. I've told her this before. I want you to fall on your face in life because I want you to know how good it feels to recover from that. Mm. Because if you're if you're always if you're always just winning, and it, and life is just easy, well then that's cool too, and you know. But that's not the case. Yeah, you it know, is the case. That, but if you if you uh, if you can see what it feels like to rebound and really find your groove or really work through an obstacle and not let it just crush you, then that 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 pride nobody can take that away from you. Right. Exactly. You, you know, and it's just. Um, Back to the legacy thing, like like we, you learned how to be a stepdad, and or you learned how to be a dad from your stepdad. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that you know now are things that he taught you. So it doesn't have anything to do with the bloodline. It's it's just his love and his kindness and the type of man he was and integrity and and you know and then and then the things you learned from your grandfathers, you know they taught you those things. So now here you are doing your thing, and you're teaching the kids that. Right. And so they're going to know that. And, and they're they're going to have that kind of standard that they're going to set, either for themselves or for the men in their lives. Right, and I hope so. And and you know, with with my stepdad, he 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 had a way of he had 
so much patience. And because my mom had me and my older brother, and, and, and you know, my brother's right at three years older than me. And so we were both teenage boys whenever he came into our lives. We, or I, he, my brother was probably 14, and I was probably 11 or 12. And, and, and for the next seven, eight years, you know, he came into the picture of, you know, a whirlwind of hair and teeth of testosterone and young boys doing stupid stuff. And, you know, that took a lot of patience. And so I saw all that. And I, and I, and I, now that I'm older, I really appreciate the way he, the way he parented because he could have, he never whipped us once and he very well could have. I mean, because my mom wasn't shy. She'd grab whatever she could and she'd hit you with it. I mean, it's, my grandfathers were the same way, you know, it's, and, but that's, that's, you know, that's debatable too. But, you know, the way I feel like our, I was raised, I needed that weapon. Because there's no telling where I would be today if I hadn't had some sort of strong father figure or mother figure or grandfather, you know, that cared about me. Yeah, I know that's silly that, you know, they, they, they would spank you and, and how you would learn from that. But you get enough of those for making stupid decisions, or, uh, then you, hopefully you're going to find yourself on the right end of the stick whenever the, the time to make the right decision happens. And I think that's a consistency because kids require uh desire crave discipline crave uh structure crave routine you know and that doesn't mean that they're craving getting their ass whipped no but that consistency of not hitting them out of out of anger or hate you know i mean not just beating the hell out of them just because you came home and had a bad day and they spilt the salt shaker or whatever sure but getting i mean getting whipped is it's it's effective yeah, for, for some kids. It, it is for some, and you know, I've only I've only spanked my daughter once, and the son he's really never done anything to even really remotely make me mad. I mean, maybe not pick up his trash or clean up his room, but I mean, he's about as good of a kid as you could imagine at twelve years old, and he makes makes parenting easy. She can be a challenge at times, but you just nailed it. She didn't she didn't respond like a lot of kids did to spankings. The one time I did it, I felt bad. And and she did, it didn't work, and so the way we we punish her is completely different. I could I can just I can tell the son that I'm disappointed in something, and that's going to affect him. With her, I could say that it may not affect her as much. So there, I have to, you know, psychologically position things in a different way because they're they're you know they're op- they're just different, and that's just part of having a boy and a girl and. And being individuals, yeah. The thing with well, like with Abby, um, we're still trying to figure out how to discipline her. And sometimes you just can't figure it out. And as a parent, I think that's frustrating. It's like, and and what I figured, what I've I felt like I've learned is that time, time is makes things. Kids grow up, they mature, and they start to understand some of their challenges. And uh, you know, and and for us, you know, Caitlin's as she's grown up has gotten way better. When she was younger, she was she was a challenge, you know. And but now, she she understands there's there's a limit to as much as one can take that that she wants to dish out. She knows we have a uh, I guess a, a stopping point threshold. before yeah threshold. If not, she's gonna she's gonna pay the wrath. And typically, the wrath for her is you you know any teenage girl you take them all take their social life away from them then things crumble really quick and and as a parent 
you know, we have to remove some of the stimuli from our kids because, you know, the the social media, the 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 bullying that happens. I, I read it, and it's terrible. And the, some of the things that the, some of these kids say, you know, these teenage kids are savage. And 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 people always talk about this girls, girls, girls. Let me tell you, I read her messages on Instagram, and the boys are just as bad as the girls. It's 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 it is what it is. And, but they're all, it's like a big drama pot at this age. And, and so if I can't, I have to do what she can't do for herself. And sometimes I have to pull that, that stimuli away from her by taking her off of, you know, changing her password on Instagram for a few days or maybe even a week, sometimes a month. It just all depends on how mouthy she gets or how out of line she gets, you know, it's just sure. what happens. Well, with Abby, she hasn't had. I mean, she hasn't had a phone or an iPad or access to the internet in years now. Wow. Because just bad choices. Right. You know, and, and, and no matter how much you monitor it, no matter what fail safes you put on there, um, they are so, cr- not, not they as in our kid, well, our kids too, but like uh, people that are trying to get to your kids with yep. whatever content or thing it is are so fucking crafty that it's like, it, it it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. And, and there's, you know, you can't unsee some things Mm-mm. like, so like pornography, for instance, if that comes across, if your kid gets a hold of that somehow, um, that just fires up everything in their primitive brain, you know, like that's, I mean, guys know what it's like. You look at it and it's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like all the Christmas lights just turned on, you know, like this is great. Yeah. And that's why so many people get addicted to it, you know? True. So you want to try to avoid them seeing that type of thing yeah. because once they see it, if it fires that up and they have that disposition of, of if, if they have that type of wiring to where that's going to attract them or intrigue them, then it's hard to take them, get them off that course because they're always going to be searching for it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and you have to, you know, as a parent, part of parenting, parents, parenting is the hardest job ever by far. Oh yeah. And, and. Part of parenting is helping your kids understand understand some of the people they hang out with probably aren't the best people that they should be hanging out with. And here's why. As a parent, you know, we have to tell them, I don't like so-and-so because of the way they may, you know, their post on social media, the way they dress or just the the type of the way they carry themselves. You know, it's it's not a good influence. And, and you have to help them understand that. And and that's that's a challenge because you know you you look at you if you if you look at your kids social media which is apparent i think you really should be it's amazing what teenage girls are putting out there on 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 for everybody to see and these are girls that are 14 15 16 17, and it's like that's that's not going to happen in my house at least that's what i hope and i'm thankful yeah. that my daughter isn't going to be posting you know, scantily clad selfies and 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 just doing things for attention. Yeah, she's a typical girl. She wants to take a fun smiling selfie or one with her and her horse or whatever the case may be. That's just that's part of it. But to be in your 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 little boy shorts and and just not appropriate for someone to see outside of your of your parents, then you know that's a problem for me. Well, and I think as 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 dads, as male influences or role models or whatever you would call it in a child's life, we have to really check what we look at because they're going to be looking over your shoulder while you're scrolling on your phone. Oh yeah, on the couch, 
you know, and like, man, I mean, I'm, I'm involved in the fitness industry or, or heavily interested in it, you know, sure. and, and not involved in it anymore. Right. But there's, there, I mean, it's not that hard to find, uh, websites or, or Instagram pages that are nothing but scantily clad women. Yeah. Chlor- glorifying skin. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and and I mean, like we talked about that primitive brain, they look awesome. I mean, they're, they're it's great, but what you have to do as a man is not just kind of just dive right into that. Yeah. You know, you have to resist sure. it. And and if you did look at them, if you do have them on your page and they come up on your feed, maybe that's some homework for right. the next week, fellas. Is if you're scrolling through your social media and you see some stuff like that pop up, unfollow it. You know, just get rid of it so it doesn't stay on your feed because one day she might see it. And then is she's, I mean, is she going to think, well, that's the type of, that's what I should look like because that gets my dad's attention or, or whatever, or however creepy you want to go down into that rabbit sure. hole. Right. Why even throw that mud in the water? You know, so like we, we, it's our job to protect our kids any way we can. So that means with everything. Absolutely. With what we say, with what we look at, with what we do. You know, I try to do, I, I try not to, I, I try to avoid having anything on my phone I wouldn't want my daughter to see that's good except i mean there's stuff between my oh, wife and oh I mean, sure you know yeah yeah and then even sometimes your buddies send you some some funny texts some silly memes that to you and i it's hilarious but to a kid it's completely inappropriate but, oh yeah you know it's that depending on your level of humor you know that's that's uh, a challenge that i think you know I, but i don't let my kids on my phone thankfully that's a no-no they know not to grab my phone yeah. and it's just it because from you know, it's my business is my phone, just like everybody else, yours as well. And, and, but, you know, I just don't, there's nothing on there that they need. They have their own and they can, they can use it. I mean, if they needed to, to get something out of it, they need to ask me first, basically. Kind of like a purse for a woman, right? You yeah. don't go in your wife's purse, do you? Nope. I, I, I will not go in Kelly's purse whatsoever. It's just not my place. I'll ask her, hey, can I get your keys out of your purse? That's, that's what I do because that's, 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 that's private to them. That's whatever they have in their purse. Not like they're, they're smuggling some guy in there that they're having an affair with or they're, they're doing something completely wrong. But it's just like they don't go and dig through our wallets. They shouldn't anyway. I mean, I mean, I guess my kids want to get cash out of it. But, you know, um, I, I, I think there's, there's a boundary that we have. And, and kids, you know, as a parent, we have to set that boundary. Right, so the kids need to know, and as a as a parent, you need to be involved in your kids enough to know where their interest levels are. You know, if you because a lot of times out of sight, out of mind. Right? Okay, my kids on she's in a room, she's on her phone, and she's been in there for four hours. Well, make them get up and come outside and 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 ask them what they've been doing, and and whenever the time's right, you know, be a parent. Look at what they're looking at, and make sure, you know there's not any red flags you know that that are happening and and have that open line of communication to where hey if there's something wrong i need you to come talk to me about it i'm 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 on your side no matter what there's nothing you're going to tell me that i probably have never heard before or something that you're going to tell me that's going to shock me unless you're in trouble and i need to know obviously but for me i'm lucky because the son and the daughter have this great relationship they they get along so well that they tell each other everything, and that's 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 important. If she won't tell me, I know she'll tell her brother, and vice versa. If he won't tell us, I know he'll tell his sister. And they're both smart enough to know that, hey, they told me this. I feel like you need to know. You know, prime example is 
school. Boys will be boys can be bullies to to a new kid, and so our kid, you know, Ryan's first year this year is in uh, Alito, and he was having some issues with in athletics with some of the boys picking on him just because it's his first year, and you know he's the new kid, and you know, and uh, it was it's taken some adjustments. Well, he I think he was a, a little bit embarrassed or scared to tell us that this was happening, so he told his sister, and I mean it's not like she's telling on him; she just giving us a heads up that hey, I think this might be a struggle for him. And you know, and and we're going through these, these uh, you know, he's a, all pre-AP classes. He carries a heavy load. You know, he's only in the seventh grade, but he was struggling, and and we really didn't understand why. And part of it was is that this whole new atmosphere for him being a new school, going to seventh grade, didn't know really anybody, and and I had to have that conversation with him. Like, look, I've been there. I moved from Texas City to Santa Fe. From eighth grade to ninth grade, I, my freshman year, I knew zero people in high school, zero, not one person. And I understand that adjustment that you're going through and the challenges that it can be. And, and back then, you know, that's when hazing was still somewhat, I don't want to say it was legal, but it was, still wasn't, you know, frowned upon. I mean, there was guys, you know, making kids push pennies across the gym floor or just do stupid stuff, you know, I mean. Thankfully, that that's not the case anymore. But you know, it's still it's still a challenge for him, and it's still embarrassing. So no matter whether you're pushing a penny or just being picked on, you know, there's there's. So going back to what I was saying is that luckily those two have such a good line of communication that it that her mom and I, you know, we know that if something were to be bad, wrong, they're going to tell us. And which I hope they would. You know, any parents hope they would. That's such a special thing because I don't have that. Yeah. You know, and I could see, and Abby doesn't have that because right. she's an only child. Um, um, and my brother and I don't speak to each other. So, sure. Um, but being able to have that, that confidant, you know, that, that, that ally, someone that you can talk to, that, that brother, sister, that sibling bond. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And not all brothers and sisters get along, especially at 16 and 12. It could be the annoying little brother, which he can be annoying as hell. But that's just the way he is. That's his personality. And he's only annoying to her because she's trying to be cool and impress so-and-so or, or whatnot. But uh, she's she's been really good with him and helped him, you know, in this transition of going to school at Alito and, and trying to find his place, you know, because as a young man, you know, going soon to be going through puberty, you, you're trying to find your place in, in this pecking order that where you belong, right? And, um, and, and it's unfortunate that that some of these kids never find their place and they, they have, they, they, they feel lost. And and that's when I think things go South and I don't want to ever, I don't want him to ever feel like he doesn't have a place because he does. And, and he's and, and, and he does. And your, your daughter does. My daughter does. Every kid has a place. It's just, I think it's our job to help them find that place and support them to get to that place. And that's a big. I agree, one hundred percent. That's such a huge fear for myself, and I'm sure for a lot of dads, is that they're never going to find their place. You know, it's like I would imagine in this this preteen, or I say preteen, but she's a teenager, very much so. I imagine that um, that it's not uncommon for this for her to just kind of be kind of doing whatever. You know, I hear of I hear of the kids that are like. Um, like Ryan, that's twelve years old, and he's mm-hmm. taking a hiatus from gymnastics because he's been in it so long. And I mean, he's a stud. 
Yeah, he was good. I, I mean, I've seen his social, like him on social media. It's ridiculous. I mean, he's a great athlete. Yeah, he he is a great athlete, but that's because he's worked hard at it. You know, five days a week, four hours a day, and then you know sometimes six days a week. Whenever you know competitions would come up, got to a point he just I feel like he just got burnt out. Did he take to that naturally? That type of work ethic? Yeah, he you know he gets it from his mom, in my opinion, because Kelly her work ethic in the gym and, and just in fitness, you know, her background, you know, she was a gymnast. She spent lots of hours in the gym and, and he's, and he, you know, both kids have seen, you know, their mom be, you know, she, first she was a personal trainer. And then, then we built, we, we started the gym, you know, both kids have been around it. You know, Caitlin, you know, she's a, she's an amazing weightlifter. Mm-hmm. You give her a barbell, she, she can move around a barbell and clean and jerk and, and snatch better than most adults can. And that's just because she sat through more classes than almost anybody you know by the time she was, you know, 13. So she was, uh, you know, she'd be a great CrossFit coach at some point. I'm sure she'll she'll pursue some sort of fitness background. But, you know, she's uh, she has to work at things a lot harder than what Ryan does. Mm-hmm. So Ryan's kind of more gifted and things come naturally. But Caitlin will work hard and accomplish it. Where Ryan is is if it if it becomes a struggle, he backs away from it. You know, mm-hmm. he, there's only so much, you know, so hard that he's going to work, and then I think he he pulls back a little bit. And in gymnastics, you know, they the kids bloom at a certain age, right? You know, 14, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Well, he's going to be a late bloomer. Some of his friends are already starting to, you know, go through puberty, and they were advancing a little bit faster and doing things a little bit you know, uh, more progressed than what he was. And that's because time has caught up to them. You know, when they're all young and adolescents, you know, they all could, you know, it was an even playing field basically. And uh, he, he was, he accelerated in, when he was younger, but as time and things progressed, he became average. And I think that mentally may have checked him out a little bit, but you know, I, I, re- I really respect the parents whose kids are, are, advanced athletes whether it be select baseball or softball or horseback riding or whatever that is because it's such a it's such a strain on the family dynamic because you don't have those family moments in that time because you're too busy getting a kid to sports or you're too busy picking someone up from sports or you know you're at a tutor because of sports and that's where we were we were we the kids were both doing different things and we really never had that family dynamic at night. Like we didn't sit around a a dinner table and we didn't have conversations because by the time they got home with sports and got home with this, you know, we finished the gym. We came home, ate, did homework and went to bed because we were all so exhausted and we did it again the next day. And I think a lot of families are like that. So there's this sacrifice you, I think you pay as a parent for your kids is that, you sacrifice getting them to their sports or getting them to their extracurricular activity, but your but the family dynamic suffers from it a little bit. I mean, I'm sure people do the best that they can, but it's inevitably going to have a little bit of a toll because you can't. There's times where you just want to lay on the couch and hang out as a, as a family, but instead you got to pack up everybody and drive two hours to Frisco in traffic to get to a, a gymnastics tournament, you know. And we're there all day. And that's because. He was at practice all week, you know, or she. And I think, you know, 
with him being out of gymnastics, now we're able to be a family and do things, whether we go hike or we can, you know, go out on the boat or take the Jeep for a ride or just, you know, have conversation. We couldn't do that before because we were juggling kids and getting from point A to point B. So um, it's, it's, it's been a, a good change for our family. And I think mentally it's been good for him. I, I really miss seeing him push himself in gymnastics, but I would I don't want to ever force anything on him to a point to where, you know, then they become bitter about it. So you know, I had that experience with baseball growing up. My dad uh, was non-existent, and then I had a stepdad call him and give him the right act about I had to take him to baseball and I had to teach him this and I had to teach him that. And my stepdad was a coach um, and a pretty good athlete. Well, then my dad was like Johnny Baseball Dad after that, you know, showed up with the lawn chair with my name and shit written on oh, it. Oh, God. But yeah, he'd show up drunk or he'd be drunk by the time we left and I'd get my, you know, I'd get my ass chewed all the way home or, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Sure. And so by the time I got to high school, I was like, man, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And so like with Abby, she, she hasn't stuck with anything. Right. And so I've wanted to push her because there's kids are going to want to quit, you right. know? Um, and so it's that struggle fighting, not fighting, uh, her mother and I disagreeing or seeing different perspectives on that. Right. You know, like I, I think that she should be pushed and, but the more you push her, the less she wants to do it. So then it's like, all right, well then I'm just going to let her do her thing. Well, if you let her do her thing, she's just going to sit around and watch TV. Right. So finding that balance, like so it's so, uh, it's terrifying because I, I just want her so badly to find her thing. And, and and it doesn't mean because I want her to live vicarious or I want to live vicarious through or anything like that. I told her, like, baby, I don't care if it's basket weaving, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you're into, let's do it. You want to f- f- uh, tie in flies? I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care. Just, you know, something to put your focus on to where you see what it feels like to put in that work. Sure. And put put in those hours. But I think as a, as a dad, though, we want we want it more than our kids do, right? Yeah. And so you got to give them the opportunity to be able to find what it is that moves them or motivates them. So we were that way with Caitlin. She was such a good weightlifter when she was younger. She, you know, when we 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 took her to Dutch, sure, and she would train there with some of the best. Mona was her last coach, and you know she's she's amazing. But and Caitlin was really gifted. But it just got to a point where she just didn't enjoy it anymore. And, and, but there were several times she would want to quit, and we wouldn't let her, right? We, 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 we did what you did. We pushed her to that point to where – or not pushed her to that point. We took her to that point where, okay, she seriously doesn't want to do this. This isn't just a lazy moment you know, at a teenage life. This is something that she just doesn't have the interest in. And so that's – it is a hard decision as a parent to – you know, you know – all the years and practice and all the money that's been spent. And, you know, you, you were hopeful. I was hopeful that weightlifting would have been Caitlin saying, well, it wasn't. And I'm okay with that because, you know, her thing is now is her youth group with her church and being involved and, and, and just in her horses. So it's, she's really involved in that. It's things that she really likes. And so I'm okay. And, and she's, she's happy. And that's all that matters. That's all I want. I want both of my kids happy, but I, I also want them to know they're going to have to work ethic because you're not going to get anything around here for free. I want to take care of you. We're going to get you nice things when we can, and, and we'll go above and beyond from time to time. But you're going to have to do your end of the bargain. Like You're going to need to do your chores without me asking. You you want to go and get you know some Kendra Scott earrings or something. That isn't going to happen unless you earn that. And, and, you know, they, a lot of families, 
I think sometimes just give their kids things just to appease them and make them happy. And, you know, we all like to get stuff. Who doesn't like to get nice things? I mean, it's part I of life. I love giving gifts. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Giving or getting? Giving. Oh, I love giving, but I like getting too. Giving is nice. Yeah, <laughs> getting is really nice. But I, I'm, I, I think sometimes, though, kids don't realize, and it only comes with age, what the value of a dollar is and how hard it is to get that dollar. They see me on the road a lot. I'm on, I stay in hotels, I travel all over the country for work, and I'm gone a lot. And it's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. I miss some certain things at home, but I'm providing for everybody back home. And it's just what, what I do, and I can't change it because I love what I do. I love the company I work for, and, and I love the industry that I'm in. It's, it's, it's truly the, the place I want to be. I, that's how I feel about it. But there, there are times that when I'm sitting in a hotel by myself in no, middle of nowhere, Kansas, I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I miss my, I miss my shop. I miss everything. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, is this, am I doing the right thing? And I know at the end of the day that I am doing the right thing because, A, I'm happy, our family's happy, we're taken care of, and, you know, it's uh, that's really all I could ask for is, is everybody's happy. I want my kids happy and I want my wife happy. And, and, and not saying buying them thing makes them happy, but providing gives us the opportunity to help make our kids, you know, happy. That's all. That's, I mean, that's all that matters. Right. You hope anyway. Yeah. That's what I'm, so I'm going to call you happy from now on. Yeah, hey, I'll answer to you. I promise you. I was, whenever you were telling me that, I was like, is it kind of when they call a big guy tiny, or is he really, was he really chipper in high school? Yeah, no, I was I was senior class favorite. Were you? Yeah, I was. And uh, and going from – and I think, you know, it's, it's a, you know in our lives, we, we look back on moments that we're really proud of, and that's one of them I'm proud of because, you know, I'm, I went to, you know, from Texas State to Santa Fe in ninth grade, didn't know a soul. By the time I graduated, in, you know, in '89, I was the most liked person in our in their class. So that, and it was purely personality because I, at the time, I was extremely late bloomer. I, I wasn't an athlete, so I wasn't the star quarterback. I wasn't somebody that was popular. I was in agriculture. I showed. I was in FFA, and uh, I just. You know, I just I treated everybody with respect, and I and I and I got along with everyone. It didn't matter if you were in the band or if you were you know the long-haired kid that played guitar, and 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 or you were you know country western folk. You know, I got along with everybody, and you know I think that's just because you know I wanted I wanted I wanted to be accepted. I want everybody to like me, and, and, and still to this day, you know, I want everybody to like me for the most part, but. If you don't, you know, it's, it is what it is. I know I can't please everybody. I'm old enough to know that and when you own a business like you, you know, at some point, someone's going to come, you're going to cross paths with someone that's going to, that isn't going to like you at all. And then when the type of business we own with the cross, with CrossFit Alito is that, you know, there are people that would come there just, I think, to be assholes. And I had to call them out on it, whether they were you know, not parenting very well, you know, let their kids run around. And here, here we are with liabilities. You know, you, you got people slinging barbells overhead and your, your little rugrat ass kid is running around the gym. Whose fault is it going to be if that barbell gets dropped on them? You know, and you have to play this hard, you know, this hard position. It's like, I want to be your friend, but I need you to be respectful 
So I'm going to be the asshole that, that I don't want to be because you're making me be that. And um, that was tough at times because, you know, we lost some friendships and I lost a lot of clients and told people that they couldn't come back because of, you know, the way they acted and carried it because that negativity and that canter would, would spread around throughout the whole environment. And, you know, CrossFit's based on obviously the principles that it's based on, but the community aspect of it is what is what really pushes CrossFit to, uh, I guess, a, a different tier than your typical gym or, or, or boot camp or whatever it is, you know? And y'all had an amazing community. Yeah. And that's did. interesting because I met you um, with that uh, that knowledge of you, I guess. Yeah. You know, being Mr. Grumpy or, or yeah. just being a, a yeah. dick. Yeah. And and so it's funny now, which is why I was thinking, did they call him happy to be sarcastic? <laughs> no. But to talk, just, but you know, the, the interactions we've had, you know, sure. for the past couple of years have been nothing but pleasant. Right. You know, and I, with me... You talked about earlier, like if somebody crosses you, that's how the the, the button, mm-hmm. the, the switch flips. So I'm the same way. Like I can be really cool with people, but as a small business owner, we've been, especially as a contractor, we've been screwed over so many times with um, with money. Oh, yeah. And man, the minute that I start smelling that in the air, I turn into such a prick. You got to. It's your livelihood. But it's this weird, like you have to be such a bear to get and I can be super prickly, you know. Right. And and I forget that like my wife's like you can't just go into the these offices where all the women are running the office looking like you look and like raising your voice and and I don't. Sure. anymore. Right. <laughs> there were times <laughs> not yelling at women to be clear, just like right. where the fuck is my money, you right. know. Um so now I have to do things differently. Um but but I at the minute I can smell that, I start getting I, my whole attitude changes, and the and the way it's like you start walking around with your hand on your wallet, you know. But that'll carry into all my relationships. If that's going on in my business, say with a particular client, mm-hmm. that will cloud and muddy all the water. And so I have to be super diligent now to kind of not. Well, they say don't take it personal, but that's bullshit because mm-hmm. when it's your paycheck directly, right, it's personal. If you're not eating or eating, it's personal. Or you know, if your your Amex gets canceled and they report it on your credit because you know somebody didn't pay you, somebody didn't pay for ninety days and they were ducking you. That's that's pretty personal. Oh yeah, you know, and because that affects your future, that affects your family. And as as men as providers, like that's 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 the security thing. Oh yeah, like we're out there trying to do our thing. You know, if you were in Kansas and your paycheck was bouncing, there'd be issues, big time issues. Yeah, yeah. So I have to be, and that all comes back to me because people are going to act however they're going to act. Right. It's my job. It's my responsibility as a grown-up, you know, not just a man, but as a grown-up, an emotionally mature human being, to change how I react to the situation, you know, and and how do I want to present, how do I want to come into that situation? So that's something I've had to kind of start doing is now like, yeah, I could go into it this way, but what happens is in the end of it, I don't have that relationship anymore, which I might not want it anyways, but um, I'm lesser like it's it's robbed me of something, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Whether it's time or serenity or whatever it is, and and that's like that's my big thing, or that, that's something that I'm really focusing on now is to not let those relationships just burn up. 
Right. Because it's so easy to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, sometimes you, we have to be able to, to decipher between good business and bad business. And not all business is good business, right? That's right. So every time a customer wants you to do something for them, there's, there, instinct tells us, like, I, I'll be able to work with this, fo- this person. And, and I think as we mature and, and, and do this long enough, we realize that sometimes you just got to tell people no mm-hmm. and, and walk away because it's going to save you so much heartache on the back end, right? So asking a, a client to leave a gym and not to come back, that's because I'm, I'm removing you know, distraction because other members, when they start messaging and saying so-and-so's kids are terrible or so-and-so gets to the class late or whatever the case may be, and let me tell you, there's a ton of things that, that were factors into you know the business and, and that we had to deal with. When it starts to affect your, your, your core business, for me, all of our customers that we had, our clients, that was a problem. That's when I knew I had to say something. But sometimes it's okay to tell people no, and then and, and people have to accept being told no. Because nobody likes to hear the word no. We didn't like it when we were two, and we don't like it when we we're 40. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just having those, there, there's in discerning between a toxic relationship and a relationship that just needs good boundaries. Right. Those, that's that's hard. Sure. You know, there are some relationships that I just need to set this boundary with this person. As long as they aren't repeat offenders, if it continues over and over, people will. I've learned when we own the business is that people will use you because they can, mm-hmm. and and use you as far as long as they can, and until you tell them no more or you remove that part of the equation out of the situation, then people are going to push you to your limits until you finally snap and that's i think that's just the way some people are wired not everybody because you know there's some people that are dreams to work with they pay you on time they give you a clear definition of what it is that they want pleasant oh grateful yes thankful that you're there that day where you know in this day and age every con subcontractor out there is busy i mean it's a great place to be in you know in my line of work you know i work for a window manufacturer and and we, I, I travel all over the country. I go to different dealers and I go to meet different home builders. Everybody's busy, and it's a good thing. But the moment things start to go south, and you know we get this dip and new home starts, you know it affects you know our sales. You know we we really, I think, look at who we're doing business with and and, sh- and and show them a sense of appreciation because, you know, there's how many welders are in Fort Worth? A ton, right? A ton, so yeah. they could they could go find anybody, but they choose you. Even in a downtime, they're choosing you. So that's, uh, that's something to be thankful for. And those are the relationships you hold on to. Those are the kind of relationships that we built with some of the members that, of our gym. You know, these are lifelong friends that I've made. And, and had we not had the gym, I would have never met these folks, and and some of them are some of my best friends now. Yeah, some uh, so a real good piece of advice that I got randomly, um, and this guy might have played, might have got it from somebody else, uh, some I don't know Zig Ziglar or somebody like that. But, sure. you, but you have your A, B, and C clients. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that theory? I think so. Yeah. So like your A clients are the clients that are like Robbie, we love you. Just just build it, make that mantle. Look what we trust you. Here's your money up front. Yeah. You know, and we'll pay you a tip at the end, and and everything's great, and they love you for it, right? Mm-hmm. 
You don't screw over those customers. You take good care of those customers. Those customers call you on Christmas Eve. You answer. Right. You know, right. just because. Mm -hmm. Then you got your B clients, which are, which are you know, they, they want a good deal, but they, they want you to make money. And they just, you know, they're not going to come at, with you like, oh, if you can be cheaper than this guy or cheaper than this guy. They just sure. they know your value, but you know that you got to stay com- kind of c- competitive. They're always there. They're your consistent, you know, your core clients. And and those guys are great. You could call them back the day after Christmas if they call on Christmas Eve or, or whatever it is, you know. And then you got your C clients. Your C clients are the, the dudes that penny pinch you, nickel and dime everything, and, and then just, just pick you apart. And then they're not never happy. Those are C clients. So I could see you gritting your teeth just then. Like those are the ones that just really make yeah. you want to <laughs> choke them out. Because like seven seven names just popped in my head <laughs> real quick. Don't mention them. Yeah, those you fire them immediately. <laughs> exactly. You know, like hey, I trim just, the fat. I just don't think that I can. You know, I just don't think uh, we can we can do this for you anymore. You don't say because you're a freaking asshole. Yeah. You just and it's so, it's amazing how much time frees up and how much serenity to take care of those A and B clients that you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you take care of those and then just everything keeps I mean just keeps moving up. Right. So and if you take care of your customers in the way that they should, they're going to tell their friends because you did them a good job. Those C clients would never tell anybody anything good because they're only looking for a deal. And unfortunately, that's that's we're all there. We all looking for a deal. You go buy a car, you're not you're you're not there to get the highest price that they're going to give you, right? You're looking for a right, the right deal. And if we can make a good deal and it's beneficial for me and beneficial for you, we all we both feel like it's a, a good transaction, right? Yeah, but you don't want the lemon just to save some money. Uh-uh, no. So I'm like when I hire contractors, and there's a few things I'll hire contractors for because I can do a lot. You right. Know, like, mm-hmm. um, like painting, for instance. And, and I hate uh, it. I hate painting. God, I hate the prep work to painting. I don't mind painting. It's the prep work. And I've got all the equipment, all the sprayers and everything, yeah. but we I'll just keep using that on steel. And uh, flooring and stuff like that, you know, there's certain things that I can make so much more money doing, spending my time elsewhere. Right. Well, I never ask contractors for a deal. Right. Like, I won't, I won't ask another tradesman for a good deal. No. Um, there are things I will do, like, hey, I can do all the prep work. Um, I'll be held accountable for whatever. I'll do all the demo work. I'll do this. I just need you to... Whatever the skill part of the deal yeah, is. Yeah, I just need sure. you to provide the labor. It'll right. be ready for you. You show up. If it's not ready, well, then charge me to fix it. Whatever. Sure. And then we, we have the scope. We have the contract. Everything's laid out. And then go. I've had in the past where, where guys that were friends would come in and do jobs, and I and I paid premiums. You know, I even told them, I don't want a cheap price. I don't want a brother-in-law deal. I want you to make money. And, and I want a good product because I want to pay for the ability to be critical. You know, sure. if you get a good deal, but you yeah. spray paint all over my carpet, they're like, well, Ryan, I mean, you, you didn't say you wanted it all covered. Yeah. You talked us down 25%, buddy. So <laughs> sorry about your carpet. Yeah. And so like, I'll, I have to kind of manage that kind of type of expectation because I mean, dude, you don't want me getting my flashlight out. <laughs> in my notepad. No. And, and that happened recently, and unfortunately, it didn't end very well. No. Long list of punchline items. But, yeah, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's those expectations. Right. But anyways, we're, we've got off uh, off topic. Uh, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Without question. It's been a, it's been a, a good conversation, and I, I love your, your podcast, man. And I think, you know, as dads, we all need to support one another, and we all can learn from one another because we all don't know the – the, you know the, the secrets to everything so 
you know, sharing your ideas like you have on your Facebook page. I love reading the comments there from time to time that, you know, guys come there to ask for help or questions regarding things. I think that says a lot as a dad when you can reach out like that and, and, and ask a, a stranger for some advice or just a, a general topic in a, in, a, in a page on social media, ask them for advice. Because we all get to that point where you feel like you're hopeless, but we've all been there and, and somebody may have got the right answer. So yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity and thanks for coming to my, 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 my little shop here and smelling the... The great scent of cedar that I've got rolling through here right now. I love cedar. Yeah, I love We're, it too. I'm redoing all the the baseboards and everything in my house, and I think I'm going to run Spanish cedar just mm, so I can smell, smell it. Smell it. I, I I got a whole bunch of shavings from a bowl I turned, and uh, I, I want to put it. In, I want to put it in something pantyhose or something, and throw it in my truck just so I can sit there and smell it. You know, it smells amazing. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, yeah, that that deal about reaching out on Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, that that's a rare thing for guys. I mean, I hate to. I hate to ruin it for you, but that's called being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that, that most dudes are good at. It's kind of like asking for directions. Yeah. Even oh, though you're, you're in the wrong state, you know? <laughs> Thank Lord for Waze these days. I have to like, uh, Waze is amazing. It is. I have to, at times, not be so dependent on it because I'm like, I grew up in this town and I, and I don't know how to get around without it. <laughs> like, you know, I have to like train myself how to get, I don't know, to my grandmother's house again, just because you get so dependent. Sure on those things. And that goes back to with our kids. They don't know. Mm-mm. I mean, they were given the gift of Apple. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but you know, they're, they're smarter than us than, than what we probably realize when it comes to some of these, you know, these, uh, electronics. I mean, my kids can work a phone better than a lot of adults can. And, you know, and I got one son, the son that likes to play video games and he loves YouTube. I don't discourage him from it because somewhere, somewhere, or sometime somewhere, that person that that developed Fortnite or developed YouTube, their parents supported them. Exactly. And that's where he may go. And it's okay. If your kids are into video games or if your kids are into whatnot, uh, whether it be YouTube or, or, or whatever, support them in it and show them that, that you have interest in their hobbies. And I think they'll open up to you. He loves it. When I sit down and talk to him about, he loves to watch gymnastics videos, guys on trampolines doing big flips and aerials. Sure. So I'll, I'll ask him, he knows all the top people and their names. Doesn't mean much to me, but just me asking him that stuff, you can see that he appreciates it because that's what's important to him. Because you're saying, I love you. It matters what you're into. You don't like, you don't have to meet this criteria for me to talk to you. Right. And you know, that's what's hard with like preteen kids because mm-hmm. they talk about some crazy shit that doesn't make a lot of sense. And you're just like, what? Okay. Yeah. And if you're a parent thinking your kid doesn't talk that way or isn't exposed to certain sh- things, you, you keep telling yourself that lie and your kid's going to be the one that's going to be the, the story that's being told about, unfortunately. So, and uh, I'm glad that you said that about Fortnite is because when you were saying that earlier, it's like exactly what you just said, you know? They, whoever developed that was a kid that was, that was pushed or um, that was supported. Right. And so they don't want to get out here and like, um, learn how to make knives Mm -mm. or sharpen a knife or polish a boot. Mm -hmm. That might not make a shit to them, but, uh, making sure the integrity of whatever code they've written and having to check on that every night. And they, they, they build this beautiful program that they taught themselves how to build having that kind of focus and that kind of intensity and that kind of purpose or in, um, intent 
is is admirable. It's just not what we understand. Right. You know, it's it's just. I mean, that's the way of the future. It's exactly because you know there's there, that stuff's not going away. Just like you know, craftsmen aren't going to go away either. Sure, they're dying off. Some of the older, you know, generations are, you know, the generations are getting older and people are, you know, aren't able to do things anymore. And there's going to be a younger class that's coming up. It just takes a lot longer to, to, to be a craftsman in, in our, in, in my eyes, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, years of working with tools, you learn certain tricks where, you know, with technology, it's all about, you know, understanding how it works and, and able to, to you know build that platform like you said that code or 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 whatever it is you know it's it's they're both the same one you're a craftsman building things with your hands or you're a craftsman building thing with your mind neither one's right or wrong support your kids and whatever their their interests are and i think your relationship with your kids will prosper because of that because they they see that you genuinely care and that's that kids want to know that your their parents care about them yeah i mean Exactly. That he's going to show up no matter what. Right. And the kids know the difference. Like they will figure out there's certain things that are just different. Right. You've got that Gibson um, hanging up on your wall. Mm-hmm. They know the difference between playing that and playing rock band. Sure. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. One is really fun, and then one is a lifelong pursuit that's rewarding and probably the most frustrating thing I've ever tried to do. I'd like to burn that Les Paul hanging on my wall at times, but it's uh, it's one of those things that's been a challenge. And I mean, I'm not good at the guitar by any means, but I love it. And I love somebody that can play a guitar well. I mean, that's that's that person that's dedicated their self to it, you know, and I just haven't done that. I bet that's never been thrown across the yard. No, it's never been thrown across the yard. That and the Martin sit next to it. So the guitar next to it is a Martin. Yeah. And that, oh, belonged, that belonged to my grandfather. Oh, did it? In 1970. Did he, play? Oh, he, he, was a, he was one of nine brothers. And they would all come around. They would all come at Christmas time and sit around. And they could all play a different instrument. And my grandfather's instrument of choice was not only the, the guitar, but he was a banjo player. And he could pick the banjo and make it sing Hmm. like like you would hear a a true bluegrass band and they would all sing gospel old hymnals and that's i sit out here and listen to it and it reminds me of my days of hanging out with my my grandfather so i can watch youtube videos of people playing acoustic guitar and singing or Mm -hmm. or just just singers you know anything that's soulful uh i can watch that until the sun comes up sure i mean that's just i love it that's pure and I always loved music, but I was just under the, I just didn't think I'd be able to play. And then I picked up a guitar, you know, a year ago. And that's, I mean, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Oh, for sure. And it is. And it, but, you know, those guys that are good at it, they've been doing it since they were young. You know, a lot of them anyway. Some people are just, I think, born with that talent or, you know, pick it up later in life and are just really gifted. And, um, you know, for me, I can't play anything by ear. Some people can hear a song once and and they're wailing on it, you know, and getting down to it. Not me. If it's not written in tab and I don't have a YouTube video for hours of practice, I, I would never be able to pick anything. I need good lighting. My I need my reading glasses. <laughs> yes. And you know, just all this shit. I need to stretch my wrist. There's just, yes. there's, just there's a process. And those calluses on your fingertips start to hurt really bad. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my sausage fingers are pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, condition just from what i do right but i mean it's like mashing hammers on there that like i don't know where it's that forearm starts to cramp after a while you're like holy crap what kind of wad is this this weird knot in your back it's like how the hell did that happen (laughs) but you know that's that thing that it's like i respect people it's like being you know being into martial arts sure 
I want that for my daughter. Right. That's it. You know, I want. I don't want her to be good at anything, so I'll be proud of her. I'm proud of her anyways. I'm proud of her because she's a sure. good human being. Right. That's that's all we care about. At the end of the day, if you're if you're raising kids that are respectful and good humans, that's all you can ask for. Whether exactly. they have hobbies that they excel in, or they suck at school, or you know whatever the case may be, but if they're good people, have good hearts, and treat people fairly and, and with kindness, then you, I think you win as a parent. And you've got two kids that are doing just that, so I think you're winning as a parent. Thanks a lot, Ryan. I appreciate it, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. And you can find Robbie and his stuff at Black Label Studios on Facebook, Instagram. That's it. And then photography too, right? Yeah, R. Kelly Photography on both as well. Excellent. K-E-L-L-E-Y. Yeah, right on. Um, This is Ryan. Thank you for listening to The Circle of Dads. You do not have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Love runs downhill. We chase those kids until the day we die. Thanks. Thanks.